You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. We almost did a little dance there. So how many of you have a friend that, uh, that, that your thing is, uh, is inside jokes? How many of you are inside joke makers? Just be honest. Yeah. So some people are just inside joke makers. Like you, you just are, and that's a part of your personality, and, and you just love making inside jokes. Like some of you just looked at your friend sitting next to you and just went, peacocks. And like both of you just laughed real hard. Um, and nobody else gets that. And, and you, just, you just feel superior to me when you do that. And that's, that's just who you, that's okay. And, and you kind of are, and that's fine. Um, and I, I remember, I mean, I, me and Jessica have... Uh, our own inside jokes, which I won't give you information about because you don't need to know that. But you, that's, 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 that's a thing. It indicates that we're on the same page. There's something, there's an insider kind of knowledge that you've got that, that other people around just don't. And so when people are, and if you've been around people who have their little inside jokes, it makes you feel like immediately like you're, you don't get it. You know, that feels like if you've, if you've all been in that moment when, you've, when there's an inside information thing going on and you just, you don't get it. I remember being a middle school student um, at Calvary Baptist Church where I was growing up, and I came into a worship service like this for the first time as a middle school kid. We were all together grades 7 through 12, and, and, and I came in for the first time, and I had no idea what to expect. And, 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 and I remember being in there, and everybody around me seemed like they were in a different like, universe or something than me. Where I, I was just, I was there, and I didn't really understand, I didn't know the words of the songs yet, I didn't really know what was going on, and, and I didn't know very many people, and I just, I just felt very awkward and alone, like all middle school students feel every moment of their lives. They all feel alone and awkward, because they are. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, praise God, you're out of middle school, right? Um, and so, so I, this, this, this was the way it felt, and in that service, and then I, I came back, and I came back, and I started to learn the words, and, but, but there was something that just never, it didn't seem like it, it I didn't seem like I, I, I got it. Like, there's something going on that I just didn't get. Do you ever feel like you're in, in a worship time like this, and it feels like the people around you are, like, connecting to something that you're not connecting to, and, and, and like, their, their experience, the, the, the songs we're singing, or the, their, their ability to pay attention in the message time is just radically different than you? Like, you just zone out and get distracted, and, like, nothing's landing, and you're just like... I, I just feel like I'm standing in a room with a bunch of people who have inside information. We just don't get it. That was the way I felt because like, there was something different in me where I wasn't living for Christ. I wasn't living in faith, and I wasn't following God, and I was surrounded by all these people who were. And so their experience was radically different than mine because they got something that I, I didn't get. Have you ever wondered why people, like some people around you feel like they're, they're connecting with Jesus in a, in a real way, in, in a more real way than you. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered why there seems to be there's, there's people that are growing spiritually, they're, they're growing in their relationship with God, and they're, they're, they're grasping stuff, and man, they're enjoying Jesus, and you just seem like you're being left behind. Why are they growing and you're not growing? Why are they growing and, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not growing? How did they get to where they are? How did they grow to that point of maturity, that point of understanding, and I'm still over here? That was my experience. So I, I made a profession of faith when I was eight years old, and I was in church basically from the time I was born all the way through. There wasn't really a time when I missed like years of church. I wasn't, but I, I wasn't living for it. I didn't get it. It hadn't sunk in, and so I wasn't growing spiritually. 
I'm looking around, people around me were. I had to figure out why, what was happening, why. If that's you and there's people around you that have got a, gotten to a different level spiritually, man, it seems like they're walking with Jesus in a different way than you are, and you want to know why they are growing and you're not growing, then tonight's message is, is hopefully going to help. And not just help you understand that, but help you figure out what to do about it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 tonight. We're still continuing our journey through the book of Luke together. Um, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. And in it, Jesus is in, um, he's, he's got a, this, this big crowd around him, and, and he's, he's teaching this crowd. And, and he, he tells them a parable. And a parable's a, a story that has a point. It's not like a true story. It's a, kind of like a fable type deal, all right? So he tells them this, this parable. And so some, some of the words are going to be on the screen for you up here, but I, as always, man, I loved all those page turning sounds and see a bunch of screens up, and it looks like it's not on Snapchat, so way to go. Um, so <laughs> and that one kid on Snapchat, just go ahead and finish up and be back up here with us, okay? Uh, like, I'm listening to Britain. No, you're not. You're taking pictures of Britain. Um, periodically, just side note, I get Snapchats of myself preaching. That's offensive. Don't do that. Just kidding. All right. So... Anyway, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse, verse, uh, verse 5, he says this. He says, a sower goes out and he sows a seed. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's what we want to visually, I want you to imagine this, okay? So if you've never sown a seed, like most of you probably never have. All right, just, just imagine this. If you've got an entire field and there's no equipment to help you sow seed, then what you're going to do, you'll have prepared the field, Right? You've picked out the land that's going to be sown, and you've done the best prep you can for that. Okay? And then you would have a bag or something that would be like slung over your shoulder like a satchel. And as you went to sow the seed, you would just reach down into the bag, and as you would walk down, the, down you'd have a path, and you'd just kind of sling seed out like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't aim. You'd just be reaching in the bag and slinging seed. Just eating like nice and easy pace. you just walk up. And you'd just sling seed, you'd turn around, you'd get on the other way, you'd keep slinging it until you ran out. Or you don't have time to individually go poke holes in the ground like you did in kindergarten when you planted a sunflower, okay? I'm going to poke a hole and put a seed in it. Move six inches, holes, no, you don't do that. You just throw it. You're just throwing it. And wherever it goes is where it goes, all right? And you're hoping that some of it lands where it needs to land and others not going to land where it needs to land. So a sower's out in his field and he's sowing seed. It says this, as he sowed, some fell along the path. And it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air, they, they ate it. All right, so, like, I've got a path in my backyard where my dog runs. He always runs the same path from the back door to the fence because he loves humans. And if he's out in the yard by himself, he wants to get to a human. So he tries the back door, and then he tries the gate, and then he tries the back door, and he tries the gate. So he just runs the same path over and over again. And it's hard packed. Like, nothing's ever going to grow there ever again because my dog killed it all, okay? And so if I, if I were sowing seed out there and it landed on that path, it's not going to be able to penetrate. It's just going to sit there, and Samson's going to step on it, and then a bird's going to eat it, and it's, it's not going to do anything, all right? So if some of it falls on the path. Verse 6, it says, And some, it fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Couldn't get any water. There's not enough soil there, so it, it landed on a rocky patch. So how many of y'all have like a flower bed or something in your backyard that's got some rocks kind of around? Uh, maybe like you got tired of, your dad got tired of mulching, so he like mulched your yard with rocks. Okay. In Texas, they all do that. I don't know why people in Texas love mulching their yards with rocks, but that's what they do in Texas. So if you were to do that, and you're chunking seed out there, and some of it falls over in those rocks, it might spring up a little bit, but it's not going to do much. Right? He goes on. He says, some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it, and it choked it. 
This would be like if, if you had prepared the field and you'd got all this section nice and, you know, nice and clean. You pulled all the weeds and the thorns or whatever. But the edges, the edges, you're not, I mean, it's, you're not going to clean up the edges as much. So some of it's going to land off over in the edge, over in the weeds and the thorns. And when it grows up, the weeds and the thorns are going to grow up with it and it's going to get choked out. It's going to be a mess. In verse 8, it says that some... It fell into good soil, not onto, into good soil, and it grew and it yielded a hundredfold. And said that as he, as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear it. So he's in this crowd, he says this thing out loud to this big crowd of people. He's like, a sower's got some seed. He was sowing the seed, some of it fell on the path, it got eaten by birds, some of it fell on some rocks and it sprung up with it away, some of it fell on some thorns, and uh, some of it fell on some good soil, and it did a good job. All right, message over. They're like, that was weird. <laughs> you know? I mean, everybody's like, that's, that's odd. I used, to, I used to think that this next part happened where, in a second, the next verse, in verse 9, it says, disciples asked him what this parable meant. I used to think that, like, at a later time, like some time had passed, maybe that night it was just Jesus and the disciples, and they just privately asked him about this. But in verse 19, the crowd's still there. So apparently the crowd's still there. So the disciples, and the way I'm envisioning this right now is like, it's the, the crowd's out here, the disciples are his closest followers, so they're probably up, up for the front. And Jesus says this parable that are like, and? <laughs> I mean, we all know how to sow seed. Like, what? And so you ask him about it, and he says, oh, well, this, this is what it means. And so he's talking specifically to the disciples, the ones that are close to him, that, that, are, that are trying to hear that, want to get it. And if anybody else is going to hear it, fine. He's talking to those that want to hear it. He says this. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. It starts there. The seed is the word of God. So as the sowers throw in the seed, that's the word of God. Jesus himself is the, the living word of God. He's the incarnate word of God. And so Jesus is there in front of this crowd sowing seed. Jesus is the word, talking about the word being shared and how the word is, is thrown out in, in, a, in a field, but the field where he's in front of is a field of people, kind of like I'm in front of a field of people. And so Jesus is proclaiming the word of God in front of this field of people, and he's describing the way different groups of people deal with it, how they respond. It says the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, he says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. So he sets up, what's going to happen in, in, in all, we're going to see four scenarios. The four scenarios, are the, the, you know, the, the path and the rocks and the weeds and the, the good soil, the four scenarios. In all four scenarios, he's going to say, each one, they heard, and then something happened. All right, so think, think about this. If, if I give you, a, if, I, if I say something to you, you really don't have the choice to, to have no response. You ever about that? Like when, when, when my kid Jack, he's four, um, when he's, you know, we're walking this way or something and he wants to go some other direction and I say, Jack, stop. He's, he's audibly heard that, right? And if he doesn't do it, is that no response? That's not a no response. That's a negative response. If he, if he heard my command to stop and he doesn't stop, then he's choosing to, to not do what I said. He's not neutral at that point. It's a negative response. There is no neutral. If I say Jack stop, he doesn't have an option for a neutral response. He can't do that. It's either going to be positive where he stops or negative where he doesn't. There's no neutral. There's no in between. You can't just pretend you didn't hear it. You heard it. 
And then you, when you hear it, you have to respond to it. And so in verse 12, it says that the, the, those who, the people that are represented by those who, when it falls on the, on the path, they heard it. And there has to be a response if they heard it. But look at their response. It says that, the, that the, they heard it, but the, the devil comes and he, he takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The seed that falls on the path, like you just imagine this path in my backyard that's hard packed by my dog running across it, and the seed falls on that. It's not gonna, nothing's gonna happen. The, the, my dog's gonna trample on it, birds are gonna eat it, it's not gonna do anything. And he's saying the people that, that that represents are those that that hear the word. And Jesus is the word, and he's proclaiming the word, and he's saying, You guys that hear my word, you guys that hear the word of God, and nothing happens, then what is happening is that that there's an enemy against you that's snatching that from you. And not allowing that to take root, not allowing it to have any effect on you. So some of you come in, and, and, and this is what I want you to know. Like, if you're at a point spiritually where there's no growth in your life, listen to me. If, if, you're, if you've been around church for a long time and you've heard the Word of God, it's landed on your ears and nothing has happened in your life. Like, you're, still, you're living like you've never met Jesus you're just living like everybody else. There's no growth. You're not growing spiritually. You're the exact same as you would have been if you'd never heard it. If that's you, then this is you. This is your soil. If there's no growth, this is you. So just evaluate yourself. Like, can you see spiritual growth in your life? And if the answer is no, then this is your soil. So listen, what I need you to know, if that's you, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle you or, or, or like badger you or something about it. I just want you to know the situation you're in because you're the hard path. And when he says about people that are the hard path, that it hasn't penetrated, it's not producing growth yet, what's happening is that you have an active enemy who is against you, trying to prevent you to come to a point where you receive that word of God and something happens. Like the, the, the enemy of the universe, the, the devil himself, does not want you to receive this, does not want you to get a hold of it and come to a point where you trust and believe and follow Jesus. So you're at the best point possible for the enemy. He is winning. He has got you separated from God and is going to do anything he can to keep you separated from God. So he is actively working against you being able to receive this. So here's how this plays out. If you're a, if you're a no-growth person, if you're a hard-path person, then the way this works is that when you come into a place where the Word of God is proclaimed and people start talking about Jesus, what you do is shut down. The devil just snatched the word from you. It didn't, even, it didn't land at all. You, just, you zone out. You get your phone out and start playing with it. You get, you get really distracted by your tennis shoes, and like your, ten, your shoelaces become the coolest things in the universe. And so as the word of God is going out, the seed's being sown, you're like, I love my shoelaces. I'm going to mess with them. Look at this. This looks like a heart. Look at that cool heart I made. I should Instagram that. I should make a meme out of that. My heart's, my heart's silly string. That'd be cool. Like, the word of God's being sown, and you're like out here in right field, man. You're like, you don't know what's going on. You're, the enemy's winning. You're being beaten every time. Because there's an enemy against you that doesn't want you to receive the seed so that you can't evaluate critically the information that's being proclaimed to you. And so it's snatched away from you. So if you come in this place every time and you shut down fully, you're losing. <laughs> I hate losing. Anybody competitive? I hate losing. Like when we play Foursquare, I will beat you. <laughs> I don't care. Any of y'all play Foursquare four against Rob Hatfield? He'll injure you playing Foursquare. 
Like, do you, any of y'all ever play ping pong against Rob Hatfield? He will serve it like down your throat. You will choke on that ball. And he will not go easy on you. Some of you are that competitive, man. And, and you don't want to be beaten at anything. You don't want anybody to be better than you. You don't want anybody to tell you what to do. You want to be your own. I, I, nothing can infringe upon me. And every time the word of God is proclaimed, you lose. You get decimated by the enemy and you don't realize it. You think you're doing your own thing and you've got it handled. And man, I'm, I, I, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to hear this Jesus stuff. You're being robbed. You're not winning. You're being robbed. And that arrogance you feel, that feels like you're doing it right, like I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than this, I don't have to listen to this. The devil is winning over you every single time. What winning looks like for you, if you're the hard path tonight, what winning looks like for you is not you, you shutting it out. What winning would look like is for you to have the audacity, the boldness to allow the word of God to land on you and you have the guts to critically evaluate it. If you're too afraid to critically evaluate it, then that just, that's just cowardice. That's just fear. If you're, not, if you're not willing to listen and hold it up to truth and try to figure out if it's real or not and evaluate it critically, what are you so scared of? Why are you scared? So if you're, if you're, not, if you're not willing to evaluate it critically, then what that means is it's being snatched away from you every time and you're losing. You're getting whooped every single time. So my challenge to you is to stop getting beaten and instead, like, just receive it. Like, come to a point where you're like, okay, fine, 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 fine. I will hear you out. I will listen. I will, I will try to come to a point where I understand what these Christians are talking about, why you say this Jesus matters so much. I'll get all the information, and then I'll decide for myself whether I'm going to believe it. That's bold. That's respectable. Getting beaten every time because your shoelaces are cool is not respectable. So if that's where you are, I think you can do better. That's the first scenario. The second, the, uh, the, well, the second and the third, it's really two different paths to the same result. It's two paths to the same thing. Verse 13 and verse 14, it's two paths to the same thing. It's both where there's some growth, but the, it, it never really makes it. It's, it's not, it, there's no fruit. Like, it, it, it's a starting point, but it's never fit. And that's probably where a lot of y'all are, where, where it feels like spiritually, man, there's been some growth, man. Like, you're, you kind of got somewhere, and then you stalled out, and you never really feel like you fully got there. Do you feel like that? Then one of these two is going to be you. If you feel like you got a little bit of growth, but you just never really fully got there, man, like you never really got to enjoy Jesus, it's like kind of like a weak faith, one of these two is going to be you. Verse 13 says this, the ones on the, on that fell on the rock are, are, are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. In a time of testing, they fall away. This, has, um, this happens in Greenhouse sometimes. Um, there's, been, there's been points where uh, people have come to Greenhouse, maybe even like the first time they come to Greenhouse. They haven't really been around the gospel ever, and, and they come to a point, man, where like, they hear this truth, this hope, and this message of Jesus, and they receive it, and they're excited about it. They're like, man, I want to know more about this Jesus. I'm in. And, and they'll last a little while, but they, they never really invest themselves in it. They never like dig in and figure out what this is actually about. They respond positively initially, but never put anything into it. And so following Jesus is, is not easy. 
If any of you are following Jesus, you know this isn't easy. It, it costs you your life. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. That is not easy, okay? And so then when a trial comes, when somebody's like, yeah, yeah, this Jesus stuff's great, um, and then all of a sudden it, it, it requires something of you. A trial comes, like there's, there's, a, like there's somebody in, in your class that wants you to go be a part of something or do so, whatever. Like there, there's, there's a choice between following your old self and following Jesus, and they follow them old selves, and they walk away from Jesus. Listen, if you're following your old self and you're not following, instead of following Jesus, that's a dangerous place to be. If you want to follow your old self and the old way of life instead of following after Jesus, that means that you still love the old self more than you love Jesus. And that means one of two things. One, it means that you're so weak spiritually that you're not, in, you're not in enjoying, you're not getting anything out of this faith. Or it means you don't have faith in the first place. It means you're just lost. You're on the, you're on the precipice of being lost or you are. If, if you still love the old way of life more than you love following Jesus, that's scary. And the reason why it says this happens is because you have no root. So a trial comes, a test comes, and, and you fail because you have no root. So I, I, um, the best picture I have of, of, of a root system is, uh, is from the April 27th tornadoes. So um, my family's down in Tuscaloosa, and so uh, we, we, we went out to Tuscaloosa to make sure that all of our family and everybody's okay. And when we got down there, and, and um, I've told you about this guy, Coogan, who was, was my Sunday school teacher, my small group leader when I was in high school, made a huge investment in my life. His house is down the street from the house my dad grew up in, in the same little neighborhood. It's in this little, this little small little valley. Well, that F5 tornado that went through Tuscaloosa and just wiped this whole, the, made, the biggest intersection in town just wiped it off the map, their street is like one block away from that. And so the pictures I was seeing on the news was that entire neighborhood was gone. And so I wanted to go make sure my small group leader was alive. And so I go down there, and his house was fine because in this little, this little valley, and the tornado just went right across his house and just you know, like ate everything on this side, everything on this side. Like the trees above um, that, that valley were just gone. And so we were walking through the neighborhood, and we got to this, this one tree, this monster oak tree. I mean, like one of those trees that like six of us would have to wrap our arms around. It was the old neighborhood monster tree. And, and the, what the storm had done, it had, it, had, it had pulled this tree up out of the ground. But this tree was so big and had such crazy roots that it, it literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I, I've got a picture of it. I, I couldn't find it, but it, there's a picture of Jessica standing on it. There, it pulled the whole front yard up. Like the whole front, like picture your front yard on its side. Okay, like, like, like Inception, that was real. Okay, it's like three stories of grass just pointing up in the air. It's crazy. There's like roots all everywhere. Like the whole yard just pulled up out of the ground. I mean, the force that it took to uproot that thing. And then think about those little rocks, uh, little plants that grow on those little cracks between rocks, like in your driveway. You know, you can go and you can just pinch that thing and you can just pull that right out of that crack in, the, in your driveway and you're like, you sissy little plant, just owned you. Is that you? Which one of those is you? When there's something pulling you toward the old way of life, you're like, no, 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 I'm so rooted in Jesus. You're going to have to rip the whole front yard out of the ground to move me, right? Or you're like, bink, which one are you? Have you put down deep roots in Christ? If you put down deep roots in Jesus, 
Or have you just kind of received it with joy and you're like, yay, Jesus, and you've invested nothing? Verse 14 is a different path to the same outcome, just no fruit. It says, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I think this is a lot of American Christians. It's probably a lot of you. Where the cares and the, the joys of the old way of life, the outside world, is so enticing. And you're taught, like you're, you're taught to chase that stuff. You're taught to pursue a career with the highest paying salary potential. You're taught to, to figure out a way that you're going to handle your finances for the rest of your life and you're going to be taking care of finance. Like the biggest aim that you're given in life is to retire well. That's terrible. <laughs> what are you going to do when you're 70 years old and you've got a whole mountain of cash sitting around? What are you going to do? Like get like super polydent to get your dentures to stay? Like what are you going to do? Why are you working so hard to have a, have a money pit when you're 80? Who cares? I want to live for something better than that. But so many of us, man, you're, you're told to chase after one thing in life, and that one thing is, is, the, is the world's joy, and you miss the God of the universe's joy. You trade the eternal for the temporary. You can't take that with you. You're going to die. Like, I mean, and you miss this life that God has made available to you in Christ because you're so busy trying to, like, have the right career and perfectly manicured Instagram profile and... You want to have, like, the cute friends and not the semi-cute friends. Like, really? But it happens, man. Like, like that's, that's teenager life. Like, you get so wrapped up in all of the ridiculousness of being a teenager in America and all the things you're told to do and all the things you're told to buy, and, 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 and all of that wraps around you so hard, and you're just so focused on all this meaningless Junk. You're so in the weeds. You're so choked out by the weeds that you can't, you can't break free to get after Jesus. And so the reason you're not maturing, the reason you're not growing is because you've been, you've been swallowed up by the kudzu of life. You know about kudzu? Y'all don't, don't have a lot of kudzu in Huntsville. If you know about kudzu, it's terrifying. It'll eat you. Okay? Like this stuff grows like 24 inches a day. It's a vine that grows 24 inches a day. In Tuscaloosa, it's everywhere. It's like hanging off everything. I feel like the people from Auburn like brought kudzu up here and just like set it loose on the whole city, and it really did eat the whole thing. Thanks, Auburn. I mean, that's, that's, that's the effect of it. Is he, I mean, like, he, I hate weeds. Have you, seen those, have you seen those billboards, the IHateWeeds.com billboards that are new? I called that guy. I pay him money now because that's such a good billboard. Like, I hate weeds, and that's how I hate weeds.com. We need to be friends. Like, my two-year-old pulls weeds. That's how good of a dad I am. <laughs> Two-year-olds pull weeds at my house. He's like, I pull weeds, Daddy. I'm like, I love you, son. Like, <laughs> I hate weeds. Your life is so full of weeds. My life gets so full of weeds sometimes that I feel like, like we're just wrapped up in it and we can't, just can't break free. If you are wondering why there's some people around you that are growing spiritually and you're not, just, just ask yourself, just honest, are there a bunch of weeds in your life? 
Is there a bunch of thorns and thistles that's wrapped around you? And there's a desire for Jesus, but there's, you can't grow because you're just so wrapped up in other things. Is your sport preventing you from growing spiritually? Your sport doesn't have to be a weed. Your sport can be a mission field. Is your GPA a weed? It doesn't have to be. That can be an opportunity. Like, are you allowing things to prevent you from growing spiritually? Are you allowing them, your spirituality, your, your, your faith in Jesus, to make those things meaningful? I love pulling weeds. There's nothing more satisfying than getting a hold of a big old weed. You know, you, you pull that thing, and that big root comes out the bottom of it, and you're like, you, you did. I win. Some of you need to rip some weeds out of your life. You do. That's why you're not growing. Some of you just need to rip some weeds out of your life. And then the last one, verse 15. Some, some hold fast. It says, as for, those, uh, as for that in the good soil, they are those hearing, who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And they, they, they bear fruit with patience. Think about that. Think about this. this honestly answer this question. Is this you? Are you the one that's the good soil? who hearing the word, you're, you're holding it fast in an honest and good heart and bearing fruit with patience. Are you clinging to the word of God? As, as you're hearing it, like you're feeding yourself with it, you're putting down deep roots, and, roots into it, and you're clinging to it, you're following after it with everything there, with an honest and clear heart, you're, you're pursuing Jesus well. Most of you, the honest answer is no, absolutely not. Right? So if you're not, if you're not that, if you're not verse 15, then which of the other three soils are you? I love that picture, though, what's possible. See, I used to read this passage, and I would be so worried that I was one of the other soils, or at least partially one of the other soils, and I was like, man, what, what can I do? What do I, well, how, can I, how can I work harder to like, figure this thing out? And, like, like I, and it really comes down to this. Like, do you love Jesus? Do you truly love Jesus? then just do that. Just do that. Like, you, you, you can't manicure your life into loving Jesus. You can't do enough quiet times to manufacture a, a faith. Like, you actually just have to love Jesus. And if you're loving him, you're going to invest yourself in the Word. You're going to be spending time with him daily. You're going to be memorizing the Word. If you love him, you're going to pull weeds out of your life. You're not going to let every other things encroach upon you and, and, and tie you down away from him. If you really are loving him and you're pursuing him well, then the, then the soul is going to take care of itself. And, I, and I, what I love about that is that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be this... Um, defeated kind of thing. If you know you're the second soil, or if you know you're the third, if you know you're first soil, you don't have to be defeated by that. Because being the last one is a choice. You can just choose verse 15. You can just choose to be one who, who hears the word and holds to it fast. Like you can, you can choose to do that. Like right now, tonight, you can be a person who stops being soil number two, and I'm going to hold fast to the word, and I'm going to be soil number four. You can. You're not stuck where you are. You can do something about this. It's literally your choice. You have a choice. You can choose faith and faithfulness. Or you can choose to shut Jesus out, not pay attention, never evaluate it. You can choose um, just never avail yourself to put down deep roots. 
Those are your choices. You, you can't. You can choose to allow other things in life to wrap themselves around you and prevent you from ever getting anywhere. But if you're one who looks at those people around you who seem like they're getting it, who seem like they're following Jesus and there's something in you that wants that, you have the choice to have it. You can choose to be soul for by hearing the word of God and holding to it fast, by clinging to Jesus. Not by faking it, not by trying to work harder and live cleaner, by clinging to Jesus. Our band's coming up, and they're going to lead us in a couple more songs, and this is going to be a time for you um, to figure out what you're going to do. All this comes down to choice. God's, God's the God who, is, um, who does, not, does not walk up to individual people and hand them seeds. I think sometimes we think this. Listen to me. I know they're very distracting. Listen to me. I, I really want you to get this. I think some people think that God walks up to certain people and hands them a seed. This hands you and skips you and gives you one. And only you have the opportunity. Like, only you're, like, God's only working in their life. God's not doing anything in my life. God's hidden himself from me. God's not close to me. No, no, no. God's the sower. God's the guy with a, with a, a, a bag of seeds slung on his side. He's just chunking seed. Just chunking it. Like, you people get all that, and you get all that. Like, there is no pattern to this. Everyone has the opportunity. The people that are the path, the seed's been sown. The people out in the weeds, the people in the rocks, like, it's all, like, however, it's, it's up to you how you're going to receive it. He's throwing seed. He's, he's sowing seed. He wants you. He wants you to hear this gospel that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, that Jesus came to die on a cross for you. And if you'll trust him with your life, He'll not only give you life for eternity, but life now. He'll give you life abundantly now. That has been made available to you. He's not withholding it. He's done his part. It's up to you to how you're going to respond now that you've heard it. He's sowing seed. How are you going to receive it? Father, I'm thankful for the, the gospel. I'm thankful that, you, um, that you're the sower that you sent your son, that you made your son available to every single one of us, that you made grace available to every single one of us. And it's up to us to decide how we're going to receive it. Are we going to receive it like hard-packed soil or rocky soil or thorny soil? Are we going to try to make ourselves be a, be a soul that receives the word and does something with it? It's our choice. God, help us to make the right choice. For those students in the room who zone out every time that Jesus is mentioned, I pray that they would have the boldness to evaluate it truthfully to stop shutting it out. For those that um, just have never put down roots, I pray that you convict them of that and they'd ask a small group leader or a friend of how, you, how can I do this? How can I put down deep roots? For those in the room who have just let all this other mess attach it, itself to them, God, I pray that tonight that they would commit to, to pulling some weeds. Help us to receive the word well, to cling to Jesus. And we'll trust you with the rest. Senior your sons, I pray. Amen.